Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. I'm your host, Coco, and in today's episode, I sat down with Divya Gugnani. She is mega impressive, a serial entrepreneur, co-founder of Wander Beauty, and a mom of two. In today's episode, we covered a lot from her beginnings in the corporate world to starting a company to selling a company to starting another company and how she juggles her personal life with her professional life. Because as an entrepreneur myself, I sometimes see that I still kind of don't really know what to do. I sometimes struggle with organizing my time or delegating or hiring. You know, when you start working for yourself, you feel like there are certain obstacles that you did not expect. And then sometimes you want to give up. And sometimes you are a little confused with all of those situations you kind of got yourself into. You never really know how your path is going to unravel. So we kind of dived into a lot of topics that can help you, whether you're an entrepreneur, you have a nine to five, you have multiple businesses. I feel like this episode is really valuable for anybody who needs a little push or help with their mindset or kind of just hearing how another successful female entrepreneur set herself for success. Okay, well, Divya, thank you so, so, so much for being here. I'm I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. A lot of my content is about, you know, being your best self, living high standards, but also being a strong, independent woman, which you are. And And you are. I think everybody can learn from you so much. So I'm like super excited to share all of your your path, your tips and tricks and all that. So take me back, your beginnings, your childhood. Tell me how how did everything start? Where did you grow up? So I was born in Springfield, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I lived there because my father was working for the U.S. government. My father actually came here from uh, India for his master's. So he had an arranged marriage with my mother, arranged mother. (laughs) My mother had an arranged marriage with my father. Um, And so my mom came here. She didn't know anybody. So it's Mm -hmm. like a typical immigrant story. They came here. They, my father worked. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, My father ended up losing his job uh, a few years uh, before I was born. So he had my sister. And right around the time he had my, my parents had my sister, My father lost his job and he decided to become an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. like happenstance and circumstance, I would say. And then he moved to New York. So I grew up mostly in Long Island Mm -hmm. and I lived there for most of my childhood. Um, I then went upstate New York to Cornell for undergrad, came back to Manhattan for my first job at Goldman Sachs, worked in Manhattan and also in San Francisco for a little while, went to Boston to grad Mm -hmm. school, um, came back to New York. The story is always come back to New York, except now we're not coming back to New York. We're not going back to New York. Because I lived in New York for many, many years, um, had two children there and moved to Miami over a year ago. And now Miami is home and I love it. It is. How are you feeling here? Because I have a similar story when it comes to New York. I I always thought New York was going to be like my city. I'm never going to leave New York. And then after a while, I was there for eight years and it was like, I I had enough. So what made you make the move? So I have a fond affection for New York. Mm-hmm. From a distance. Yeah. So I lived there for many years and I enjoyed it, but I felt like my life was work. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Work. Oh my God, more work. Yeah. Um, it's and never then enough. I ne- and the kids and running around and shuttling and being in Manhattan on the Upper East Side and rushing home to see them, to see them for a few minutes for dinner, to then rush back to an event. Like I felt my life had too much happening at the same time balance like the schedules I think it's very challenging I think anyone who's a career mom always struggles with like 
how do I balance my career and how do I balance my family? And the truth is that there's no balance. You Mm -hmm. just do each one and you do each one well and you kind of trade off the time that you have doing them. So in the morning I would wake up and I'd be a mom and I'd be present for my kids and drop them to school or whatever I could do and spend that quality morning time with them. And then at work, I'm 100% focused on work. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not communicating with them. They're in school. They're doing their own thing. When they come home in the afternoon, I had help at home, which really helped me Mm -hmm. be able to focus on work, which is critical and important to be present and to be engaged with your team. Because Mm -hmm. if you want to be a leader and you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to be a CEO, you have to lead by example Mm -hmm. and you have to be present and engaged in the work that you do. And then I would come home and be a mom and I would shut off the phone and shut off the computer and do dinner and cook for my kids and be with them and be present. And then when they would go to sleep at 730 back to being an entrepreneur. So I think it has time blocking. You have to be very organized. At least I had to be. Mm -hmm. I had to set aside time to be a mother and be very good at that job and role in my life and set aside time to be an entrepreneur and be good at that job and role in my life. And then really set aside time to be me, Mm -hmm. which I think is almost the most important thing. I know you talk about this a lot on your social platforms, like, you know, really thinking about how to take care of yourself and how to have relationships, but also how to have a strong relationship with yourself. You have to prioritize yourself. I feel like if you don't make yourself happy, if you are not complete, if you're drained, if you're tired, if you're exhausted all the time, you can be a good mother or a good spouse or a good partner or a good friend even. If you're constantly upset or stressed out, like you need to learn how to balance. So you mentioned time blocking. I still I still work for myself. I don't have a big team, but I'm very bad at time blocking. And sometimes, you know, I, I think, okay, I'm going to do emails from this time to that time. But then something happens. I, it takes time to kind of like get into your system. But what would you say about time blocking? How do you organize your time? I organize my time maniacally. Mm-hmm. And it's literally the only way I can achieve and manage all of the commitments and the requirements of my time. So like yeah. I get up in the morning, I have to meditate. I've been practicing transcendental meditation since the seventh grade. Like it's something Any that tips centers when it comes me. to meditation guided or you do yeah. it yourself? Or I kind of meditation? had a meditation teacher. I took transcendental meditation classes. I have my own mantra. And so I recite that mantra and it like really centers me and grounds me to start the day. Mm-hmm. I then do it for 20 minutes and practice in the evening before I sleep also. So twice a day, every day. Twice a day, every day. I've been doing it since the seventh grade. I, wow. I don't miss a day. Um, I had two children. I still didn't miss a day. I can't get through my day without, I need it to like concentrate and to be able to get through like all the, like there's a lot of pressure on my brain Mm -hmm. every day to get a lot of things done. So I have a ton of meetings. I usually work like an eight to eight work day, which is Mm -hmm. a long work day, I would say. And often even later than that. And, um, I take meetings early in the morning. I'm like, Every half hour I'm blocked. I don't have a lot of bathroom breaks. Mm -hmm. But the reality is like (laughs) I really just – I schedule my day in a way where I'm like this is what I have to get done. And I really Mm -hmm. bang through it. And then I allocate time to do email. Like I don't check my email all day. Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about time blocking tips. If you sit and check your email every day, every day you're in the swamp of responding to email. It's very distracting. So when I'm focusing on building a business and building a brand, I need strategic time to lay out strategy for the company. Mm-hmm. So like when I think about Wander Beauty and how we're building the business, effortless essentials, things you reach for every day, wherever you wander, we need to have a long-term plan. What are we doing with our retail partners? What does our product development pipeline look like? I do what I call deep work in the morning. 
mm-hmm. when I've had so a full morning glass of water. Your full time, like morning you, is your go time. You know, I it's my go time to think and be fresh after breakfast only. Mm-hmm. Don't talk to me if I haven't <laughs> had breakfast because I can't give you any no good words come out of my mouth when I haven't had breakfast. So, what's your favorite breakfast? Oh, I'm a big like acai bowl fan that I make uh-huh. myself. Okay, Publix frozen section acai okay. mixed with frozen cherries add a banana some granola some raspberries and strawberries i love That's acai kind of bowls a, i never make it myself okay, i make it myself tip. and i love it and i put almond milk okay um or I, a lot of times i make an egg mm-hmm. and i cook the egg with water by the way and then i just take the egg on the frying pan with, and i cook it with water and then i put a lid on it so it steams through and it's still runny Interesting. It's like my technique for runny <laughs> egg. Um, and I put it on some avocado toast. Okay, that, that is So that's my, my two go-to. favorite, and I always have fruit. Uh-huh. So Ayurvedic thought and belief is always having fruit on an empty stomach in the morning. Okay. And you get the most vitamins and nutrients from that fruit in the morning on an empty stomach. So I eat fruit first, and then I eat food later. Okay, I did not know that because yeah. I always like to go for like a salty breakfast and then I do some fruit later. So I yeah, oh, you can do the fruit later that, yeah. and you can do fruit in the afternoon. It's just better on an empty stomach. You okay. get the most nutrients from it. As so I hear from the Ayurvedic school of thought. <laughs> Coming back to what you mentioned at the beginning, your father was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that story. Is that is that where you uh, got your entrepreneurial drive so or what's the? It's hysterical that you bring this up mm-hmm. because most people are like, oh. My dad was my role model or my mom was my role model. Like he was the opposite of what I wanted to be. So actually I tried to not be him yeah. and I ended up becoming him. That's, so that's what always happens irony. with parents. You know, it's so fascinating. So my father was the yeah. ultimate risk taker. He yeah. would take the most ridiculous risks. He ran an apparel company. He manufactured clothing and then distributed it to many department stores and retail stores. But my father took immense risk in his professional career. Mm-hmm. We paid for it immensely in our personal life um and there were ups and there were downs and times were great and times were miserable and it was just it was hard it was hard to grow up like that Mm -hmm. as a child and I actually was like oh my god I never want to be like this Mm -hmm. I want to live in the suburbs and have a house with a white picket fence and 2.2 kids and have a job that Mm -hmm. has a paycheck that comes every Mm -hmm. that comes every two weeks that you Mm -hmm. know you're getting and I ended up being as much of a risk taker as him, if not more, (laughs) and taking as many risks and luckily not having as many ups and downs because I learned that when I did well, I became like, you know, a squirrel with acorns. Mm -hmm. I stockpiled. um, I sold two companies and, you know, I've had a very amazing career building brands and building businesses and having the opportunity to see them from inception till sale. I most recently sold my last business to QVC, which mm-hmm. is a global. Tell us about that. What was that business? Um, it was, we built a proprietary algorithm for intelligent shopping recommendation technology. Um, so it was a fashion accessories online destination, which had private label beauty as well, but it was a subscription service. And so if you came on our site and you bought a ring, mm-hmm. um, we could tell with a 98% statistical significance that you would buy this ring next. Like wow. we really could understand human behavior and mm-hmm. patterns around geolocation. Like if it was um, raining in Seattle, we were showing people umbrellas. And if it was <laughs> sunny in Minnesota, we would show them sunglasses and scarves yeah. because it was also cold. So, you know, we built a lot of data tracking and it was an incredible experience building and selling that company. But mm-hmm. I think what I learned from it was that, you know, and also a lot of female entrepreneurs, I will say in general, are more wise 
with their funds. Like, you know, don't you see like so many professional athletes have these incredible careers Mm -hmm. and they perform at their utmost peak and they, they make a lot of money and then they light it all on fire and you know, it happens, right? Like you see it and you watch it and like, baby mamas they have. Yeah. And then I was just like, listen, one of the things you learn and like inherently as a woman, especially as a mother who has, I have two children to provide Mm -hmm. for is that you learn to live like in a way that you can sustain for a very long time where you're like happy and comfortable, but you're not excessive. Yeah. And so that's a lesson you have to learn as an entrepreneur because when the going is good, it's so freaking good. But when the, the going is bad, it's your own money, seven figures in deep into the business and on the verge of collapse. Like, and you're going to ride those cycles. Like who knew COVID was going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I was going to have a brand that sells a lot of makeup. Yeah. Like, you know, you go through things that you could never imagine as an entrepreneur. But what I have learned is you grow through what you go through. And just take it as a growing experience. Did you move to Miami before COVID or you were in New York still during COVID? I was in New York at the beginning of COVID. Mm -hmm. I left my um, apartment in Manhattan and stayed out in Long Island, which was Mm -hmm. amazing to get out of the apartment and not be confined in, you know, square feet with Mm -hmm. two children. (laughs) Um, So it was one of the most therapeutic things about COVID is I took it as an opportunity to learn and to grow myself. I got a bike on Amazon um, (laughs) and I rode my bicycle every evening and I listened to books on Audible and I learned a lot of new things. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to entrepreneurs, I am in a position now that I'm here on my own. I don't have kids. I'm not married. Like I can be an entrepreneur and I can risk everything and I can't, you know, but what about people who want to get into the entrepreneurial journey, but they're just like, there's too much risk for me personally, but they still want to kind of try something. Is there anything you can, any type of advice you can give for people who want to start, but they feel like there's a lot of risk involved? So I think it depends. So uh, there's so many different ways to play it. Number one, if you want to be an entrepreneur, but you're not ready to like do it full time and do it on your own time, potentially, you can work at an entrepreneurial company, work at a startup, get the environment, take on a senior role where you have decision-making capability, where you're able to work with the team and like really build something potentially at the earlier stage from the ground up. That's the most exciting, fun and rewarding time for me personally. Um, Or you do it yourself and maybe you raise outside money and you de-risk the situation by not having to take all Mm -hmm. that personal financial risk of starting at the beginning. Like there are many ways to slice and dice being an entrepreneur. There's no tried and true method that's right. And there's no business that goes up and to the right Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Everyone goes through peaks and valleys and experiences ups and downs. And that's just the nature of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I remember when I, last year I had my first merch drop, I was selling hats. It was, and it was just like a small project for me. It was hats, you know, it's not, it's not like formulations. It's not FDA approved and all these other things that you have to do with Wonder Beauty. But it was so, and I was doing it myself and I was so just stressed out every single day, but it was the best thing <laughs> that it I amazing? did for myself. So yes. that's a, also what I recommend. A lot of times people are like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't want to leave my full-time job. That's yeah. okay too. Entrepreneurship comes in so many forms. You can put a toe in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, the Wall Street Journal wrote an article and they quoted like something from when I started a few businesses ago. Now I'm on my fourth company. But they wrote like how I put a toe in the water. I had a full-time job mm-hmm. and I decided to be an entrepreneur and I worked on my idea nights and weekends. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. So after uh, that company that you sold to QVC, what was next? So I started Wonder Beauty after that. I worked at QVC for two and a half years. Do you notice my mascara? Do you see it? Do, do look at those lashes. <laughs> those lashes are to die for. So I sold my business to QVC. I worked there for two and a half years. 
I used to have a meeting to have a meeting to have a meeting mm -hmm. about a meeting I was going to have in six months. <laughs> Guess what? I like to work and not have meetings. Yeah. So I wanted to like be an entrepreneur again. I met my co-founder, Lindsay Ellingson, who's a Victoria's Secret and a supermodel mm -hmm. at a party in New York. Okay. Um, we bonded over our love of beauty and our love of travel. We both really wanted to shop clean products. Mm -hmm. I had autoimmune disease. I'd gone through a high-risk pregnancy. Um, and I had really changed the way I had experienced beauty. I changed my beauty routine. I changed the products I was shopping. So the two of us really came up with this concept of like, we are two time-starved women who are constantly on the go. There's no brand in the industry for us. What was like, that? When, when was that exactly? That was in 2014 I met her. Okay. And I just had my daughter. My daughter was born in May 2014. And in 20, it took us a year mm -hmm. to work on our first formulation, which we put a lot of time and energy into mm -hmm. and effort into getting right. Um, and we launched our first product in May 2015 and launched Water Beauty in, in 2015. How... how Amazing. First of all, I'm a big fan of Wonder Beauty and I'm not just saying that because you're right here. I'm really, I truly love the products. How do you even decide where to start? First off, you decide on a business partner. How did yes. you know that she's going to be a good business partner Gut for you? intuition. It's all like, I have this saying and I really believe it. Like if it feels right to you, mm -hmm. it's right for you. I okay. read it in a book mm -hmm. about the founder of Disney um, mm -hmm. better Disney or the CEO of Disney, I think. And I, and that really clicked with me. I really have learned as I've been an entrepreneur and I've been a CEO four times, I fine tuned my skill to learn how to trust my gut. Mm -hmm. So in the early days I had no confidence and I didn't know what was right and what wasn't right. I didn't know what felt right. But now after making so many mistakes <laughs> and having risks so much, I yeah. now have a very strong gut intuition about people and about opportunities. And when it feels right to me, I just go for it. Mm -hmm. I met Lindsay at a party. We had yeah. a quick conversation. She came to my house. Um, we met. Were we you friends out. at the beginning or you were just like kind of okay? We, let's I was business. like, I think that we should start a company together. And she mm -hmm. thought it was crazy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, what do I have to lose? Nothing. Like, I have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And we are great partners. Mm -hmm. We're together. It's been seven wow. years since we first, you know, met and went down this journey, if not longer, actually. And um, we're committed to each other. When it comes to working with friends or family, what do you think about that? Because I just, I'm always concerned. I used to live with some friends and I'm like, yeah. okay, living together, roommates, there was not working out. I don't yeah. want to lose a friend if I get into a right business, a household issue mm -hmm. or, or, you know, um, a business with them. So what I recommend is complementary skill sets. Mm -hmm. So successful partnerships often happen between two business partners who bring two different skill sets to the table mm -hmm. and have complete trust for each other. So you have to start with trust and operate out of trust. I trust you to handle all the things that you're amazing at. You are incredible at social media. You're incredible storyteller. You have all these incredible talents, Coco, and I know them. So I would be like, these, this is your domain. I mm -hmm. trust you to set a vision, to tell the story and to spread and share the story. I'm really great at operations and logistics and financials and numbers. And I can, you know, make sure we buy the product at the best possible price and get it here on time and sell it and get it up. Mm -hmm. So always look for partners who can add value and have a skill set that's complementary to yours. And then and the partnership, when you set boundaries and expectations and set real strong roles, it'll always work. That's, that's excellent advice because I feel like a lot of people, they have a great idea. They're both creative, but like, who's gonna 
Who's going to do the math? Who's going to make an Excel sheet? <laughs> Got to get someone to do the math. How did you come up with the name Wonder Beauty? So it's so funny. We had so many different names. We were what was do, that? What are some other we names? We were going to do Jet Set Beauty. Then they were like, no, it sounds too Jet Set. That's not really who we are. We're for the everyday woman mm-hmm. who is like a wondrous. And like the A in Wander has a compass in it. It like looks like this. Mm-hmm. It looks like an arrow. Um, and really... Wander spoke to us. Mm-hmm. So I have this really interesting survey I do when I'm naming a company. I think of a lot of names. I brainstorm with friends and family and team members at the time. And then I do a survey and I send it out to at least 100 respondents. And we ask them, like, do you like this name? Do you like this name? Do you like this name? Yes, no, yes, no. And then at the end, we put a blank screen and we say, tell us which, which names one? you remember. Ah. And so names that are easy to spell... And easy to remember are often very successful for businesses and brands. So when we the screen went blank, we said, tell us the names you remember. Wander Beauty was the name that everybody remembered. It stuck in people's heads because it was easy to spell and easy to remember. And then we named the company Wander Beauty. Everybody remembered Wander Beauty. Yes. I love the name. How did you, like, what was the first thing you guys did? Okay, so you came up with an idea. Right. Write down a business plan, I'm sure. So what was that? There was no business plan. Okay. Laugh away. (laughs) I am like, went to business school and had an MBA, but there was no business plan. I'll be the first to tell you that. I've actually never started a business with a business plan. Okay. So I operate again on gut intuition. I Mm -hmm. did market research. And I surveyed women from 18 to 72. Mm-hmm. We surveyed 100 women. We asked them what their pain points in their beauty routine were. We asked them what products they were using. A lot of women said, I have a lot of one-trick wonders in my bathroom. And I buy a lot of beauty products and I don't use them. And they sit in the shelf. And I'm constantly putting my makeup on in the car. Mm-hmm. Or I'm doing it, you know, at the gym. Or I'm doing it at work. Or I'm doing my hair at my desk at work. And I'm doing my skincare at the gym. And so there was just so much that came from that. I was like, oh, light bulb. This is what it is. Multi-use. Women need multitasking products that multitasking formulations that work with their skin, not Mm -hmm. against it, that Mm -hmm. are clean, that they can take wherever they wander Mm -hmm. and make them in sticks and make it easy and effortless, fuss-free, foolproof, do-it-yourself beauty. No makeup artist required, no manual, Mm -hmm. no 20 brushes, like finger-friendly, like Make it so easy, solve a problem in a woman's life, and she'll always buy your brand. I love that. I love that. I love your lipsticks. There's like small enough to put it in your bag, but also like there's two colors and you, I love it. Everything's multitasking. The On the Glow Blush and Illuminator was our hero Mm -hmm. original product. So you mentioned, how did you start? Like we launched one product. And what's what was fascinating about that, it was the On the Glow Blush and Illuminator. Mm -hmm. It's a double-sided stick. It has a lip and cheek formula on one side and a nude glow illuminator on the other side, which doesn't look like a disco ball Mm -hmm. highlighter. It looks more like post yoga Mm -hmm. radiant glow on your skin. And what's fascinating about that is that you could go from getting up in the morning and looking tired and exhausted like (laughs) I did after two young kids back to back. um, And you could look polished and pretty in a minute and a half. Like it would just change your face. You could use... Illuminator as cream eyeshadow. Use it on the high points of your face. Add a little flush to your cheeks. Add a little lip color. And all of a sudden, you look bright and happy and awake. And yourself, a more beautiful version of yourself. It takes just a few things. Like people have this idea that you need a million products, a million brushes. You just need to learn how to use the products you have. And enhance your own natural beauty, which is really the ethos of the brand. 
And what, where is Wonder Beauty today? Where are you guys selling? So what was this, we what sell on wonderbeauty.com and we sell globally. We're in mm-hmm. Sephora all through Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, Singapore, Philippines, Australia, New Zealand. <laughs> um, we're all through Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, we're global with Net-A-Porter. We're in Nordstrom. We're in Neiman Marcus. We're in Blue Mercury. We're in Sephora in the US and Canada. So we have a lot of distribution across the world. Is that something world. you were hoping to be at this level when you started? Or this I mean, we like... built a global brand from the yeah. ground up. It started in my living room on my couch with no employees okay i need to learn more about this story it's so really how it went you came up with an idea you decided on a hero product what was the next step it was how to sell it mm-hmm. how to tell the story what like the first- let's we really wanted a story that told the mm-hmm. mission of the brand which is effortless essentials mm-hmm. things you reach for every day wherever you wander and on the globe blush and illuminator told that story mm-hmm. so we launched one product to tell that story we so we did a lot of press. We reached out to a lot of friends that were, you know, beauty editors, and we reached out to influencers, and we brought on a friend to do our press in the early days and told our story. Um, and then we went on QVC and we told our story on air. We worked with them briefly. We don't work with them anymore, and we instantly sold six figures of the product. Wow. And then we built retail distribution after that. Our first retail partner was Net-A-Porter, and they took a bet on us because they had. Very few um, mm-hmm. beauty brands in their assortment, but they loved the brand. Their client is that jet setter who's on the go. The net porte yeah. customer wants service. She wants convenience. She wants luxury. She wants it at a good price point too. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we did. What do you feel about the beauty space today? Cluttered, overcrowded, so many brands, not enough yeah. consumers. Yeah. I completely agree. Everyone <laughs> and their mother is starting a brand. I really believe that there's... I love the beauty space and I believe that there's huge opportunity, but I believe as a brand, you must have a point of difference. Mm -hmm. What is unique about your brand and what is your point of difference? Because if it's not unique, then stay home. Yeah, it's already out there. Don't imitate, innovate. Every month there's a new drop there's a new something so, so like how do many you products how do you separate and there's excessive consumerism and we live in a world where we should be caring about the environment and sustainability yeah. at wander we really care about this all of our outer packaging is all curbside recyclable everywhere in the u.s mm-hmm. um and you know we're creating our componentry with a lot of um post-consumer resin which is pcr uh, we really like think about being good for you and good for the planet and I think that this notion of having so many products all mm-hmm. the time is excessive consumerism. And so our ethos is fewer, better beauty yeah. essentials. Mm-hmm. When you look back on that time when you were just starting, what was your most, what's your favorite memory? My favorite memory was launching. I had worked so hard for a year on that launch. It was mm-hmm. so interesting. So I was watching the NBA finals and I watched Steph Curry like cry at the end. And when he spoke about the Golden State Warriors when they won, um, when they just like, you know, won the whole championship, they really said like, it was all those days of practice. It was all that hard work. It was all that teamwork. It was all that collaboration that brought us to this victory. That's how I felt the day we launched. Wow. When it comes to hiring. Yes. Who was the first person you hired in your team? I brought on someone who had worked with me prior in my last two companies. So I had someone that had worked mm-hmm. with me for a long time. I knew her really well. I trusted her really a lot. And mm-hmm. she worked with me actually for, I think, 11 years mm-hmm. um, over the brands. And then eventually, you know, we ended up parting ways. But it was an amazing to have someone that knew me, knew how I think, knew how to build the brand with me, knew how to grow the company. That was a phenomenal experience to have someone that had worked with me before. 
And when it comes to hiring people, what would you say people should focus on? Because I feel like nowadays diplomas, they are really important, obviously, but yeah. they're not everything. No, it's so funny. So 20 companies have lifted the requirement of having a four-year degree. Interesting. So now people are taking jobs at Apple and Google out of ahead of high school and not wow. going to college anymore. So it's so interesting. The world has completely changed. I think in the early days of a startup, you hire for two things, mm -hmm. attitude and aptitude. Does this person have raw intelligence? Do they have aptitude? Because ultimately they're going to wear 20 hats, do five different jobs. You know about your hat yeah. launch. You do 20 <laughs> different things. You, there's no one job when you're an entrepreneur. Oh, I was you're the starting mailman, a business at the beginning. I was the you do everything, <laughs> okay? And then you yeah. hire for attitude. You hire yeah. someone who's a can do attitude, who can just be positive, be happy. Like whenever I interview someone, I think about the New York to Tokyo test. Do I want to sit on a plane from New York to Tokyo with this person? Because you spend a lot of time with the people that you work with in a startup. So get to know them well, enjoy their personality, enjoy their energy. Mm -hmm. So attitude and aptitude in the early days, as you scale and build and grow a business, you hire people with professional skills who can really run the business and can bring their unique skill set that you don't have to the company. So hire people who have pattern recognition, who have domain expertise in marketing, in sales, in operations, and product development. They are experts in those areas. They can bring knowledge to the brand and the business that you don't have and your team doesn't have, mm -hmm. and they can make the pie bigger and make the opportunity bigger for everyone at the company. Do you remember a moment where you just saw, okay, this is getting bigger and bigger? What What was the moment when you just it felt just, like I felt up? the early years of the brand were amazing. We were on fire. We were growing. We were growing 321% year over year, 2017 wow. to 2018. 2018 to 2019, we grew 100% year over year. We had amazing growth in the early years, but then COVID happened. Mm. And then I learned to be a CEO in the hard times when how, things were not was, was easy and the brand was not growing. Was COVID hard for uh, the business in general? Very hard. I mean, the skincare business is amazing. And mm -hmm. our baggage claim gold eye masks are a hero. They're in my fridge right now. <laughs> I love it. They're just like, you know, they deprof, brighten, and hydrate that delicate yeah. under eye area, which really like brightens your whole face. It's mm -hmm. like coffee for your yeah. face. And so that did really well for us. But, you know, I wasn't wearing makeup. I don't know about you. You're no, sitting at, at home. No. You're not meeting your friends. You're not going to weddings. You're not going to parties socialization is down, you're not going to restaurants, everyone's mm -hmm. afraid of COVID. So people were wearing less makeup. That means they're buying less makeup, they're consuming less makeup, they're replenishing less frequently. So it really had an impact on the on the business. But we're st starting to see a lot of growth now coming back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like people are coming like back to their own ways now. Did you feel, I mean, I'm sure you felt many times that you want to give up in the past when you started the business. How do you get over that? You talk yourself out of it. I used to keep a post-it in my bathroom mirror that said, failure is not an option. Okay, I, that's a great idea. You just put it there <laughs> and every day when you're feeling down or upset or frustrated or you get bad news and bad things happen, because believe me, all this stuff happens when you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you just remind yourself, failure is not an option. I got to keep chugging along and making it happen. And coming back to what we were saying about time management and time blocking, eventually you're going to burn out. How do you deal with the burnout? When you're overworking, you're constantly yeah, on. You have to take time away and disconnect and recharge your battery. What do you do for your... I swim. 
I don't talk to people. I go into a bubble. I go. To, I love to travel. Mm-hmm. I'm a traveler at heart. Travel a wanderer. Feeds my, I'm a wanderer. <laughs> travel feeds my soul. I love mm-hmm. experiencing different cultures and different places and different cuisines. And so I feed my soul with travel and I use it to recharge and to avoid burnout. Like I'm going on a trip. I, I tell soon us your trip. I'm going to Italy and Sardinia and I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And that's really what feeds my soul. I get inspired. I get motivated. I recharge my battery. Like I need it. Travel is my, is my antidote to everything. So you de- everybody needs to take time for themselves. I feel like people yes. should also take time alone because in this day yes. and age, we're all constantly overstimulated, always noise, always somebody's talking to you. People are, yeah, I never look at my phone the first 30, 40 minutes when I wake up and I, that changed my, oh my God. And before everything. I go to sleep also. I put it down. I don't look at it. I read a book in bed. I wind down. I wind my brain down because it needs it. <laughs> and then I go to sleep. Would you mind sharing your morning and evening routine? So my morning routine is I wake up in the morning. I practice my meditation for 20 minutes. I usually drink ginger water. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. It's anti-inflammatory. It's great for digestion. It's just mm-hmm. like, I love it. Um, I start my day that way. I then um, get on my email early because I have a lot of like, notifications. What time do you get up? Oh, it, it ranges. Today I woke up at 7.15. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wake up earlier with the kids. Um, sometimes I wake up later if I've had a really late night, but like in the range, I would say of 6.30 to 8 is when I wake up, mm-hmm. but on average kind of a 7, 7.30. Um, so I wake up and then I try and exercise before I eat. So like, even if I do an Obey work, uh, Obey fitness streaming workout, mm-hmm. or I stretch a little bit, or I do weights or I do something, I like to like get myself yeah, going in that way. Then I build up an appetite. I eat more emails, more meetings and deep work in the morning. Mm-hmm. Things that require my deep thought and strategy get done in the morning hours. First, right? I then do, yeah. And then I do a lot of like in-person meetings, Zooms, external meetings, internal meetings, socializing with people, take another break, do emails. That's kind of like how I block it and do things. Um, in the evening, I always work. Unfortunately, <laughs> I always check my email. I'm on Slack. I have to check things that I need to do for work. Um, I, I love to go for long walks on Brickle Key. That's a great way for me to unwind after work is over. I usually exercise again um, briefly because I just like need to move, mm-hmm. especially when you're like at home and working from home. Um And I cook dinner. I love to cook dinner. That's an evening ritual for me. And then in the evening, I'll like either go out with friends or go out for go Mm -hmm. out for drinks or do something. And then I come home and I I read before bed. I always take a shower at night. Mm -hmm. I find it relaxes me. I love um, essential oils. Yeah, I I love love putting oils and then um, a eucalyptus tree. Yes, I love it. I'm putting in my shower. Yeah, I I love love it. And then I just I read in bed. I turn off my phone and I go to sleep. Anything you're reading right now that you would so like to share. I just finished in their newest book, um, My Life in Full. I loved it. It's mm-hmm. like so amazing when she talks about her life as the CEO of Pepsi. It was very inspiring and interesting. I'm reading Matthew McConaughey's book right now, okay. Green Lights. Okay. So I was reading the book, and then one of my girlfriends told me, Stop, stop reading and listening to it on Audible. He actually, it's his voice. I was about to ask so you. So I you stopped prefer- reading the book and now I'm listening to it on Audible. It's amazing. It's it's amazing to hear it from him. He's fascinating. What is the book about? I didn't... It's about his life. It's okay. like a memoir. Okay. So interesting. Do you prefer audiobooks or actual... I like a real book mm-hmm. at night to like mm-hmm. touch the pages because I don't want to stimulate myself with a device. Mm-hmm. So at night when I'm reading, I prefer a physical book. But when I'm... 
if I'm on a vacation or I'm traveling, then I like to do audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any podcasts you listen to? Do you listen to? I I love podcasts. Like, I those love are, like, podcasts too, but I listen to a wide variety. I listen to the Skim podcast for the mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to Lauren Bostic's, um podcast, which I love. She's my favorite. Isn't she great? Mm-hmm. She's good people. She just had a second baby, right? Yeah. I just sent her congratulations and I was on her podcast too. I mm-hmm. love podcasts. I think yeah. it's so great. I and mean, people love to listen to your podcast too. Well, it's it's still... It's I'm growing. Still, I'm still so... Uh, nervous when it comes to my podcast because i've been wanting to do this for so long yeah it's amazing and And now you're doing it one day you're just like okay today is the day and today i'm gonna start and yeah no it's it's been a journey let me see i asked i asked my followers to drop a few questions for you if somebody's feeling stuck in in their career or maybe Mm -hmm. they're just feeling stuck at their nine to five job and they want to make a change is there anything you can um any tips when it comes to yes. feeling stuck? How do you not feel stuck? I love to think about the long-term plan. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. People are like, oh, the long-term plan. Like, this is what I'm going to do in five years. And they like, think, think, think. No, I don't want you to think. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. I want your gut intuition to tell me where you visualize yourself. That's where you're meant to be. It's like almost spiritual. I close my eyes and I say, in five years, I imagine myself living in Miami with my kids grown up and going to school and walking by themselves and not, not me dropping them <laughs> off and picking them up and having a home here. And like, I visualize what I want my life to look like, my personal life, my professional life, my relationships. And then you take a step back and you say, okay, what do I need to do in the next five years to get there? Mm-hmm. I see myself launching new brand. I see myself entering a new category. So what do I have to do to get there? So if you're feeling in a rut with your career, where do you visualize yourself? Where do you see yourself in five years? And then you take the next career step and the next career step to get to that end goal. Where do you see yourself in five years? I really don't like that question in general, but since we're bringing it up, like I, because I don't know where I see myself in five years. Maybe I should know. <laughs> I definitely see myself exploring new opportunities. I love investing in brands. I've invested in a lot of different brands. Mm-hmm. I see myself, you know, having another company. I'm like a diehard entrepreneur. I love starting businesses and brands. I love the early days. So I really see that for myself going through this again for the mm-hmm. fifth time, which I'm super excited about. I see my family settled here in Miami. I see myself really having roots here, having mm-hmm. my friends and family. I hopefully see my family coming down here and moving here so I can For, be with them. They're still in Long Island, right? Yeah. They're my parents. I'm trying to get them, even if they can snowboard in the winter, I would love for them to have some roots here with me. And I really see myself building my life here, mm-hmm. you know, and I really see myself prioritizing. I love outdoor time, prioritizing my health and my wellness swimming. Like I swam today. I, I had a break between meetings. And I was like, I'm going downstairs and I'm going to swim because that's what you can do in Miami when you live yeah. here. Um, and we have summer Fridays, so we close early. So even though we close early at three, my schedule still goes till seven or eight, but I took an hour break mm-hmm. um, and I swam. And that to me means so much and feels so good. It's like mental wellness. It's physical wellness. It's all wrapped in one. I see myself prioritizing my physical and mental wellness more in the next five years. I love that answer. And thank you so much for being here. This it's was been such, such a an, pleasure. This was an honor. I learned a lot from you and I follow everything you're doing. And I'm very excited to see all the new things that Wonder Beauty might. Are you guys coming up with something else? Lots of new things. We just recently launched an amazing 
new all mineral SPF. SPF. Yes, yes, I saw that. Incredible. It's also like an incredible multitasker. It's a primer, it's a glowy finish, it's full UVA, UVB protection and blue light protection. And we did Mm -hmm. clinical studies and it's got antioxidants in it. It's got vitamin D. So it's an incredible formulation that I'm very proud of. We spent over three years making this formula. So it's called Pack Up and Glow. Oh, I'm definitely going to be packing that up this whole yes, summer. Yes, and, glo- and glowing at the same time. <laughs> Please, Divya, tell everybody where they can follow you, your brand, your Instagram. Yep. So wanderbeauty.com to shop wanderbeauty at wander underscore beauty on Instagram for the brand. For me, at D Gugnani, G-U-G-N-A-N-I. Thank you again. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. I will see you in the next episode.